Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome to day number nine of our series of Miracles in Matthew. And today I'm going to talk about the healing of two women. One was the woman with the issue of blood, and the other was the raising of Jairus' daughter. We'll talk about the differences between them, but the commonality between them. You're going to be blessed by this today. Let's go to the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back to Student of the Word. So glad to have you here today. And for the past eight sessions, we've been taking up Miracles in Matthew. Today and tomorrow we'll be finishing this as we have 10 lessons called Miracles in Matthew, the recording of the healing ministry of Jesus. He healed in other passages, but this is an intense section. Started in chapter four, ends in chapter nine. And in chapter four through seven, we have Jesus healing by the masses, healing numbers of people at a time. But beginning in chapter eight and chapter nine, we have Jesus healing single individual people one at a time. And we're going to talk about here two at a time, uh, talking about Jesus healing two blind men that came to him. We'll be discussing that one. But in this particular case, we have the healing of two women today. And this is going to be in chapter uh, nine, verses 18 through 26. But since it's recorded in Matthew, I think it's actually a little bit shorter, more concise in Mark chapter 5. So we're going to take a look at that. Again, recorded in both cases. This is still miracles in Matthew, but in Mark chapter 5, we're going to take a look at verses 22 down through verse 42. And here we're going to have the story where Jesus healed the little girl that was dead, but also the woman with the issue of blood. He raised the little girl from the dead. And in this case, we're going to find out that one was right after the other and how that Jesus can go from one extreme to a disease and then healing that to all and even raising up someone from the dead. So turn to Mark chapter 5. While you're turning there, again, my book that I'm offering is called The Grace of Healing. And this covers how Jesus healed us on the cross, how that uh, the work that Jesus did there, the shedding of blood was for sin, but his stripes that he bore in his body was for the healing of our body with his stripes we were healed. And so this is seen in communion also, that when we take the communion elements, one stands for the blood of Jesus, remission of sins. The other one is his body, which was broken for us that we might be healed. So again, this is seen here. And the, the grace of healing really presents it from God's side, and that is he offers it in grace. We receive it in faith. And I like to think of it this way, that... Grace is God's full hand reaching out to you and that faith is your empty hand reaching out to God to take everything that God is offering for life and godliness. And also miracles in Matthew, this is on two CDs and this particular one takes up the teaching that we're taking in this particular passages again, and you'll be blessed by it. And so the announcer will come out at halftime telling you, you can, how you can have a copy of those for yourself. And that'll be a great blessing to you. Mark chapter 5, let's take a look at verse 22 through verse 42. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. A great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow, or as it says in Matthew, an issue of blood. Uh, and for 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. She had spent all that she had. It was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that was she was healed of that affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power 
virtue translated in the, in the book of Matthew. This is the word dunamis, it's healing power. Jesus perceived, knew in himself that healing power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened in her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and behold of your affliction. While he was still speaking, someone came to the ruler of the synagogue from his house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And he came in and he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Tabitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years old and they were overcome with great amazement. Jesus wants to meet our needs. His priorities are not our priorities. Jesus went out of his way for one woman at a well. God called Philip to the desert to minister to one man after revival, which had 1,000s in Samaria. This is the case of the daughter and the woman. Jairus's daughter was at the point of death, and the woman had this condition for 12 years. That is the issue of blood. The girl was young. The woman was old. We have in this story again the fact that when Jairus came, think about what he was thinking. My daughter's at the point of death. She is so close to death. Jesus come. And the moment that they started out, a woman came through the crowd, touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And not only did Jesus heal her, but he had her stand up and give a testimony. Don't you know that Jairus was upset? Okay, okay. I mean, get this lady. We'll come back later. But my daughter is dying. And he had the idea that Jesus could heal, but he didn't think he could probably raise are from the dead, and the Jesus Christ that can heal can raise from the dead also. I want to make a comment here. Brother Hagin uh, years ago said this in a meeting because someone was bringing out the fact that, you know, he, he why can't we just bring back some people from the dead, like ministers who have lived their life out, and, but, and we don't want them to go. We try to raise them from the dead. I know there was a number of students at Rama that when Brother Hagin died, they had thought about going down trying to raise him from the dead. They made an announcement in the school, don't do this. Brother Hagin has served his life out and gone. And then people begin to ask why. Why do we erase certain ones are raised from the dead? And Brother Hagin said this in his ministry, everyone that was raised that he can find in the Bible from the dead were young people, still had a life to live, still had a ministry to go, still had a fulfillment of God's will on their life to go. And, and those are the ones that were brought back from the dead. Not every one of them, but some of them. Others, you know, whatever, when they got to heaven, fulfilled up there and they, things they didn't know on earth, they were learning in heaven. But in some cases, when God brought a person back, it was a younger person. So this girl was young and the woman was old and pretty soon the girl died before Jesus could ever get there. The woman was healed right there in the streets. And so we have the story there in the comparison. But again, it makes me wonder what J. Iris must have been thinking at that time. J. Iris's daughter was right there at the point of death. I mean, she was this far from it when he got to Jesus, even thinking she could be dead by now and I haven't heard the news of it yet. But here's the other point. J. Iris was there first.
The woman with the issue of blood seems like she cut in line. Jairus was well known. This woman was common and unknown. Healing Jairus' daughter would bring more fame to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't interested in fame. Jesus always only had compassion on those who were sick, those who were, you know, dying, and uh, those who were sinners and needed a savior. That's who Jesus had compassion on. He had compassion on the poor. And so again, Satan's voice uh, to the woman must have said to her, just like here, Satan is talking to Jairus going, he doesn't care about your daughter. He cares about everybody else. He doesn't know you're rich. Perhaps you should have told him you're rich. Perhaps you should have told about your influence that you have and Jesus would have gone with you and forgotten about this woman. Think about this. Satan's voice to the woman must have been who was crawling through the street and wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Why should Jesus heal you? There's far worse needs you're not as important as others. You're too old. You've lived your life. Why don't you just go ahead and let this disease finally take its toll and take your life? You've had this issue anyway for 12 years. You can go on longer. Why do you even want to bother him? But this woman wanted her healing and she knew that Jesus could heal. But I think something else is important. She didn't want to make a show of herself. She crawled to the hem of Jesus' garment and touched him. In this verse, we tell, it's told she touched his garment. In Matthew, she touched the hem of his garment, and she must have been crawling on the ground just to touch it. And the moment she touched it, she touched it in faith. That's why Jesus said, someone touched me. And the disciples went, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you. And Jesus knew she had touched him in faith because faith is what drew the anointing out of him. When Jesus talked about that, he said power had flowed out of him. It was healing power. And what tapped into that power was her simple faith. If I but touch him, the moment I touch him, I will be healed. The hem of Jesus' garment became a point of contact. We've done this for years when I was pastoring our churches is we would take the story of Paul in chapter 19 of Acts where that the handkerchiefs were taken to the to the sick and those dying and and blankets were taken to them and when Jesus uh bring that up in that verse of scripture about she touched his garment, it made me think of that too. So we would have people bring uh, handkerchiefs and they'd lay them on the front of the church up there. Put your name on it. I always say that because somebody might come up and try to steal one. I don't know if a stolen one would heal somebody, but anyway, to put your name on it so that uh, people would know who, which one was theirs. And so we would have them do that. And then people would come up at the end of the church, there's my, the elders of the church. We would all lay hands on that. We would command sickness and disease to leave. We would command health to spring forth in their bodies. And then we got great testimonies back after that. Apparently, the healing power of Jesus could be stored in cloth. And so it happened here when she touched the hem of his garment. But what caused the power to flow from the garment into her was her simple faith. And so she did this. Jesus did not teach irresponsibility. He talks about planning for tomorrow, but live for the moment, but also enjoy the trip that we are on. Be open to the interruptions of life and you can learn from them. I'm sure that probably the disciples saw her as a distraction and interruption. They were headed toward this man who was important. His daughter was dying and Jesus was about to get more well-known. If Jesus got more well-known, they would get more well-known. But Jesus stopped for this woman and even had her give a testimony. And in essence, she was a no one. 
No one knew her. The people of the street didn't know her. She might have even had to introduce herself. But again, Jairus is over there tapping his foot because why? He didn't want to be interrupted. The disciples are tapping their feet. What? They didn't want to be interrupted. And Jesus allowed this interruption. We learn from this, again, to be open to the interruptions of life, and we can learn from them. Future plans bring security, but learning to enjoy the moments also brings security. And the moment that we open ourselves up and say, look, I'm going from here to here. If something happens in the meantime, I'm going to stop and I'm going to minister to somebody and I'm going to learn from that. No one dying says he should have spent more time at work. You understand that when we are dying, we look back on our life and say, I overcomplicated my life. I didn't stop and smell the roses along the way. Jesus stopped for this woman and life is not confined to just getting from here to there, but you have to leave life open for, and have room for interruptions. I remember growing up a number of years ago when I was in my 30s and 40s, there was a book called A Daytimer, and in there, you fill it in of the things you're going to do that day, and they always warned us, leave space between the two, because you might think that you can go from this to this to this, but you have to leave room for interruptions. Welcome to the Christian life. We need to leave room for interruptions because it's those interruptions sometimes are the greatest changers of a person's life, but also of our life. We learn the fact that an interruption can often be an appointment from God. God to minister to someone. We'll see you right after the break. Miracles in Matthew is a systematic studying of the healing miracles of Jesus, which are presented to us in the book of Matthew. This series emphasizes the fact that Jesus healed believer and unbeliever, Jew and Gentile, male and female, old and young, rich and poor. He made no distinctions. Healing was and is for all. The sermon titles in this 10-message set are Jesus' Healing Ministry, Jesus' First Healing, The God of the Impossible, Healing of the Centurion Servant, Peter's Mother-in-Law, Think on These Things, After the Healing, You Are Forgiven, The Healing of the Two Women, and Avoiding Unbelief. To order Miracles in Matthew, visit our website at bobyendian.com. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I want to stop and examine for just a moment, a little bit more of this interruption that Jesus faced on his way to being able to raise a little girl from the dead. 
Jesus probably knew internally by the time that they would get there, she would be dead, but he already had plans for that. He was gonna raise her from the dead and get a greater miracle and even a greater response from the people than he did if he'd have got there on time and just healed her. In this case, again, he was stopped by a woman with an issue of blood. And I'm gonna bring out some points about this that are so important. First of all, this woman had faith. And I'm sure Jairus had faith too, and those in the room had faith when that little girl was raised from the dead. Jesus kind of shook him when he said, don't get upset. He said, she's only asleep, she's going to live. And Jairus could have caught on. Maybe his wife caught on, thought, oh, he's gonna raise her from the dead. The crowd didn't believe that. They ridiculed and jeered him, but they are so typical of oftentimes we think Jesus can do something, but he can't do this bigger, greater thing. And he'll prove in the future he can do bigger and greater things than all of that when we have the rapture of the church and resurrection of the dead and we have Jesus coming back in power and great glory. We haven't seen anything of all the power that Jesus Christ had. What Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood have in common is they demonstrate faith. Without faith, God can't do anything in our life. Oh, he could sovereignly override all this thing and do it but he prefers to operate through us trusting in him. Through our faith, we see healing. Through our faith, we have salvation. He will not override the faith that we have to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and force us to be saved or get, really just throw our will out the window and save us only by his faith. So again, Jairus, the one with the issue of blood are a demonstration of faith. Jesus was touched by the woman and later he touched the girl. So methods may be different, but power and faith are always the same. The way that God's power for healing is released is by simply us receiving him as our healer at the moment and receiving that healing from him. It's the same with salvation. He, again, methods are different. You might make it a prayer, you might make it a confession, but all God's looking for is, did you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? It might happen in a church, it might happen in an altar where you're bowing, it might happen at your home in front of a television set, all again, methods are always different, but power and faith are always the same. We must be more aware of faith than the method is used. Six methods of healing are found in the word of God, but faith in all of them is what actually brought the healing. Six methods, we have the gifts of healings, and this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gifts of healings are simply that there are people who are anointed with power and people get healed in their ministry. And I mean, these people operate mainly, and I would say probably 99% of their ministry is just in the area of healings. They might be able to speak, they might be able to teach, but they really are there because of the gifts of healings that are on them from the Holy Spirit. There's anointing with oil. Not everybody that is prayed for for healing is anointed with oil, but this is brought out in Jesus' ministry where he anointed with oil. It's also brought out in the book of James where he says, is there any sick among you? Notice any healings for every Christian as well as every sinner. But is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil, laying hands on them and praying over them in the name of the Lord Jesus. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Notice this, gifts of healings, anointing with oil still comes back to the simple operation of faith is the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. There's the laying on of hands. Jesus did this. It's found throughout the New Testament. It's not hands that heal. It's the faith of the person that releases that power. Laying on of hands is simply a contact point. A person can see those hands knowing, like the woman with the issue of blood, the hem of Jesus' garment did not heal her. It was faith that healed her. The hem of Jesus' 
Jesus' garment was really the point of contact. And she said, when I touch him, I'm going to be healed. That's when the healing came. That's the criteria she put on it. You can say to yourself when you're standing in a prayer line and somebody's about to lay hands on you, the moment those hands touch me, I will be healed. That's a point of contact for you to simply release your faith to agreeing in prayer is another method, but it still comes back to this. The two that agree have to agree on one thing, and that is the healing power of God. We're going to receive it. Prayer cloths, I've already talked about that. Prayer cloths won't heal you, but the power that's in them that has laid on is released to you when you simply release your faith and then your own prayers. You can pray. You may not have anybody around you, but you can put your faith and trust in God, and you simply say to yourself, the moment the word amen comes out of my mouth and that prayer is over, I am healed. I think something else the woman with the issue of blood teaches us, God's not against physicians. It said she has spent all that she had on physicians, on doctors, and she was nothing better, but rather kept on getting worse. Jesus never said, serves you right for going to a doctor. Jesus didn't come against doctors. Paul had one that traveled with him, Luke that even wrote two books of the New Testament. Not only was he a doctor, but he was also a Gentile, the only Gentile writer of the New Testament. And again, he was a physician. And so the Pharisees didn't write any books, but Luke wrote these two books. And the Pharisees, again, Jesus never called doctors names like he did Pharisees, blind hypocrites, things like he never called doctors any names. And he respected Luke and Luke and Paul traveled together. Again, they had a joint ministry where one taught the word, saw the spiritual healings come from God, but also Luke was probably there that if these people needed any just natural care, he would take care of them. And again, physician is not a terrible name. I've had people tell me, don't even use the word doctor or physician because it's abomination and God heals without them. No, God can also heal through them. And again, yes, he'd prefer you get it directly from God himself, but you know what? God has set physicians in the Bible, Old Testament and New. God is called the great physician. If the word physician is something wrong with it, then God has a blasphemous name attached to himself. He's not called God the great adulterer. He's God the great physician. So the word physician is a good word. Let me simply give you a recap here of chapter uh, eight and chapter nine and the healing ministries of everybody and everything. Chapter eight and chapter nine again comes back to this. It says Jesus healed everybody of everything. And so we're going to take a look at that here. Uh, first of all was a leper and he was an older man. He was Jewish. He had an incurable disease and he was poor. Think about that. All those things in Jesus simply touched him for his healing. Next of all, we saw a centurion's son. He was a young man. He was a Roman. He was a Gentile. He was paralyzed. He was wealthy. He was healed by someone else's faith through a spoken word. And he was healed from a distance where the, the centurion came to Jesus and said, oh, don't even go. I understand your authority and how it works. Just speak the word from here and my servant will be healed there. The young man will receive his healing. And Jesus marveled at his faith, spoke the word, and the young man was healed at that self-save hour. The third one we saw healed was Peter's mother-in-law. She was an older woman. She was a Jew. She was a housewife and she had a fever. Jesus healed her by rebuking the fever. Jesus touched her on the hand when he lifted her up, and so she was healed at that time. So we again have a mother-in-law. She was older. 
The fourth one was the woman with the issue of blood. She's older. She had a female problem for 12 years. She had gone to doctors. The only one that said she'd been to doctors, healed by her faith, touched Jesus' clothing. Next of all, we have a young girl. And which in this particular story, we're going to find out that Jesus raises her from the dead. And so again, we have the young girl. And so uh, she's raised up. The next one we have, and there's two more found in these that we have. We have two blind men healed by Jesus at the same time. And then we have a mute who's demon possessed. We're not going to get into them. We don't have time to get into them, but there's two more. And again, we have a uh, two blind men healed by Jesus at the same time and a mute who was demon possessed. The two men have their sight restored in chapter 8, verse 27 through 29. And the man who was mute ended up speaking again. That's in chapter 8, verse 32 through 34. You say, well, what's all this got to do with it? Well, if Jesus healed everybody of everything, surely you can find yourself in here. Let me tell you who Jesus healed. Jesus healed old men, young boys, old women, young girls, Jews, Gentiles, incurable lepers, paralytic cases to fevers, poor, rich, living, dead, military men, housewives, those who had been to doctors and those who had not. The sick, he healed the demon-possessed, those that he never touched, those that he did touch, and those who touched him. One at a time, more than one at a time, and even multitudes at a time. What am I saying? What's your excuse? All these people probably had an excuse. I'm too old. I'm a child. I'm a, I'm a woman with this disease and I could live with it longer. He healed young girls, Jews, Gentiles, incurables, lepers, blind people. Again, those who were known, those who were unknown, it simply comes back to this. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son for salvation. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for healing also. It simply comes back to him that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life or you can have divine healing in your life because both come from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful story we have here. And I simply come back to this. Put yourself in this. Where do you fit? Are you one of those that you feel like, well, Jesus was on to do something else. That kind of was a side thing. I pulled him off the side. I bothered him and he's going to heal me just to get rid of me. And he's going to keep, you know, I feel like that woman that kept pounding on the door, you know, for the judge and, and to get the unjust judge out of bed. And I feel like I'm just a pain in Jesus' side because I keep coming to him for this need. I want you to understand he cares about you, but I do want you to know something. All these people were different, but here's the common denominator among all of them. They had faith in Jesus and faith in the fact that he could heal. Do you have faith? Don't come to him with all your doubts. Take your doubts. Listen, if you're in doubt anything, doubt your doubts. Just put them off the side and say, you know what? I'm not even going to think about that. I have one thing. I'm going to take this little mustard seed size of faith that I have, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. By doing that, I'm going to believe that the moment I say amen, I'm going to be healed. Or I'll go to church tonight, and I'm going to ask the elders to lay hands on me. And the moment they touch me, I'm going to receive my healing. I will be healed at that point. I may be sick now, but I'm going to be delivered by the time that amen comes out of their mouth. I'm going to be in a church service. You know what? They're going to ask, you know, for people just to stand up that have needs. They're going to pray over everybody. The congregation's going to pray for me. I'm going to stand up at that time and I'm going to receive my healing. Have a point of which you look at like the woman at the that touched the 
hem of Jesus' garment. When I touch him, I'm going to be made whole. In all these cases, your faith released at a certain point, and it's simple this. Your faith will make you whole by the power of God. I want to pray for you right now. For those of you that are watching, why don't you just say this to yourself, you know, the moment that Pastor Bob says, amen, I'm going to receive my healing. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, all these people who are watching, for those that are sick right now and they're trusting God for their healing, I now speak to sickness, disease, no matter what it might be, long time, short time, but I simply say right now, you are cursed in Jesus' name. Jesus died for you on the cross and by his stripes, they were healed. They are now healed in Jesus' name, amen. All right, why don't you contact me, write to me, Phone, there's a phone number that you can call us also and just give your praise report and say, I was healed on that broadcast. Thank you for watching. We'll conclude this tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.